What's up, everybody? It's Dan, Binder Boneyard, coming at you from the office desk of Doom, looking out the window. It is Wednesday, the 2nd. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, I am recording this on the day that I am saying it is, so uh, it's late. <laughs> it's uh, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. It's a beautiful day outside. Blue sky, high clouds, sunshine, about 29 degrees. Uh, so, yes, it's cold-ish. Um, we're working, getting stuff done, doing the things. Not doing the uh, new me, new year thing, because uh, that's kind of dumb and played out. Uh, I'm just the same old me. Um, don't really have any resolutions. We got a lot of work to get done and out the door. Uh, stuff is really stacking up around here. Um, since Charles quit and uh, Steph left uh, earlier in 18, so I never really... Um, I never hired again just because I wanted to kind of recover and um, regroup and uh, did have Jamie in the office or I do have Jamie in the office taking care of a lot more um, uh, clerical things and sales and whatnot that uh, I used to handle. So that's freed me up to be in the shop more. Um, still not as much as I want, but uh, you know, so I wanted to see what would happen if I could get through the work without the extra hands and we have been sort of but uh you know um it's the work is piling up so in 19 we're really hoping to hunker down and bang out a lot more stuff i hope you guys had a good holiday uh i know it's back to the grind for a lot of you uh i know it's back to the grind for us i was here yesterday too working on some other projects um so yeah, it's just uh, kind of business as usual, but with a with a different plan, so to speak. But uh, yep, you're gonna see new products from us this year. Um, some revamps on some old products, and um, you know, just uh, keep keep refining the brand and the Harvester Hardware brand. So anyway, um, calendar same old uh, birthday cruise March 16th through the 19th. Uh, we're doing uh, Route 66, um, west to east, starting down around the Bakersfield area. Headed up 66 till we, you know, run out of time or whatever. Uh, no itinerary, no plans, no schedule. Just doing what I want because it's my birthday cruise. So come join in in your international vehicle. Uh, it should be a good time. Um... What else? Not much else on the calendar right now. Maybe a Rubicon trip um, this early summer. Um, still working on getting the show dates figured out so I know what uh, what shows I'm going to. So uh, I will announce those when I get there. Um, I don't know what else. Oh, so I went on a snow run. Took the new wheeler out. Those of you that were following along. Uh, on Instagram and stuff, saw the pictures of me getting it ready, uh, threw a medicine cabinet in it, mounted a small toolbox, um, spare tire carrier, that sort of stuff. Um, so 
I kind of expected to have some issues just because the scout uh, was not really used that much before I got it. Um, Phil just kind of drove it around now and then, and I don't think it ever got wheeled that hard or used that hard. And um, so we started developing problems early on, uh, fuel system, the fuel pump was not pumping um, like it should. Uh, so this has the Phytech, this Scout had the Phytech system uh, and it had the G-Surge unit, which is a little uh, storage tank, um, what would you call that? Oh man, reservoir. It has a reservoir um, that has a high pressure pump in it and has the return line and it has the stuff you know so there's a electric fuel pump that feeds from the tank to the um to this canister and then the canister then has the high pressure pump and it fuels the system um don't have to do it that way it probably could get fed from the mechanical fuel pump on the engine but this is how phil put it together so this is what i was running with um, so I started going, started putting some miles on it and, uh, I started starving for fuel and the fuel pump wasn't moving enough fuel, took the fuel filter out, wasn't really anything in it, cleaned it out, put it back. Um, cause it was a removable style, uh, cleanable style filter. Uh, didn't really do much. So I decided to stop and pick up an electric fuel pump cause they're only like the one I bought was like 28 bucks or something. So threw that in, and when I pulled the old fuel pump out, the inlet of it was full of deteriorated uh, pickup screen material. Like, if anybody's ever taken the fuel sending unit out of a Scout 2 tank, you'll see that there's like a plastic sock thing over the end of the pickup. And um, over time, they deteriorate, and this one had, and the fuel pump had been sucking bits of plastic in the whole time. So um, I think that's what it was either plugging the line or it killed the pump. I, I don't know, because I put the new pump in anyways, and everything was good for the remainder of the day. Um, bounced around in the snow. We were by ourselves, so we didn't do anything too crazy. Um, just went up, hit some deep snow, turned around, explored some areas. Um, we did bring some guns to shoot, but by the time I got the fuel pump replaced and whatnot, it, we'd burned a lot of time. So we just played around in the snow and then started heading back and headed home. It started doing the same thing again, where it would starve for fuel um, and it, to the point that it would kill the truck occasionally. So... I need to drop the tank and um, see what is floating around in there um, because there's something that's plugging up, plugging up the system. Um, if I had the money, I would just put one of our fancy aluminum ones in it, but even my cost on them is still really high, so I'm probably not going to do that. Uh, I know everybody thinks I'm making a fortune on these fuel tanks, and I am not. So um, I do not get a fancy fuel tank. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, so the trail ride was uh, 
initial run was fine. I mean, everything else did very well. Four-wheel drive worked fine. Uh, transmission's a little spongy. I don't know what I'm going to do about that yet. Um, but, um, yeah, it's... Uh, Gave me a good idea of what I need to do for the next round of uh, repairs and and updates. Um, so, and that's why I say in some of my old podcasts that you guys need to get out and uh, use your rigs. Start, you know, fix them, get them on the road. Keep a notepad. Excuse me. Keep a notepad in the glove box and make a little list. You know, when you're driving it and you feel you realize, you know, like hey. The shifter feels weird, or uh, I don't have a left turn signal, or uh, it's leaking some oil, or it's doing this, and make a list and start repairing those things, making it better. Or if you have a wheeler and you're out and, you know, it's, man, this thing is too fast for the rocks or too underpowered for this, you know, start putting a list together, you know, you need to re-gear it or, you know different transmission or something to help make it more capable just something you know have a little to-do list and i know some of you guys are rolling your eyes because that list would be like 90 pages long but you need to you need to fix it you need to you know start checking those things off the list and and the, the more that you do the better of a rig you will have um and it's more enjoyable that way and you don't want to be the guy with the broke down rig that's slowing everyone else down all the time. So, um, yeah, that's what I recommend. Uh, when we were coming back from the snow, I had Josie jot down some things and I will start working on them when I have a few minutes. So anyway, that's what, uh, transpired on the snow run. Um, one other thing, I got some messages from some people, um, try to cover quick, uh, people are asking about engines, I know that's a weird transition, but, uh, wanted me to talk a little bit about the various SVs and, you know, the, um, you know, from 266 up to 392 and the benefits and drawbacks and, little bit of how to build them and that sort of thing. And I know I've touched on it in the past uh, about it some, but um, I might as well. Why not? So <clears throat> 266 being the smallest of the V8s, uh, that was one of the first, you know, I think the 266 showed up in like, God, I want to say 57, um, 58. And was around for a few years, and then 304 uh, was right behind that. Um, 266s had a run. I mean, they were, I think 69 was the last year for a, for a 266. Um, I know Josie's 800 has a, uh, a 266 in it. It's a 68. And that line set ticket says it's supposed to be a 266, so we know that it's correct. Um, you can tell the 266s in the 800s um, because they have a weird oil filler neck on the driver's side valve cover. Uh, it's this little, like, two-inch tall tube with the 
oil cap on it. Uh, and, and it seems to be pretty standard across the board from what I've seen that only the 266s had that arrangement. Um, who, you know, it's possible someone could have swapped valve covers down the road if your, you know, 345 has that setup. But uh, from what I've seen in the 800s, the, only the 266s had that little funny standoff oil filler. But um, 266s are hard to build because you can't find pistons for them anymore. I'm not even sure if you can get rings. I haven't looked in a long time, so I'm kind of just going off of what I had gathered from the internet. Um, so unless you're building like a stock restoration show car matching numbers truck, I would probably shy away from trying to build a 266. Um, they're good little revers. They, you know... They rev a little higher than the other motors, and you know they have a little bit better miles per gallon, and they are a little bit underpowered. They're only 100 and 140 horse or something like that, so um, they're not you know monster powerhouses, but they're good little motors. Um, the 304 has the same size block, shares everything with the 266 except for piston and rings. Uh, from what I from what I recall, um, so the three hundred four is a is an update for sure, um, and that's probably the what would I call that? That's the granddaddy of all of the SV motors. The three hundred four came in school buses and medium duty trucks and. You know, I've seen 304s and generators and water pumps and tractors and, you know, just across the board, for whatever reason, the 304 was like their engine. Like that was the go-to whatever. International love that 304. It's tough. It's reliable. It doesn't make enough power to hurt itself. I mean, I think it's only good for like 160 horse, I think is what the motor chart said. Um, they, you know, they're torquey, yeah. They're not ridiculously torquey like, you you know, you hear the guys start going on and on about how, you know, the, the international engines were torque monsters and this and that. And, you know, when you compare them to the torque specs of the other... Um, of the other manufacturers, they're really not that much more above. Another thing about the 304 that's interesting is that they rev a little higher, being that they have a shorter stroke. Um, they have a little bit better street manners. Uh, they're a good driving, good driving rig, and uh, good driving motor, I should say. Um, but they are good. They are good to get around in, um, and parts are, you know, readily available and all that sort of stuff. So, um, 304s, some people just, you know, want to get rid of them immediately because it's a small motor. Uh, you know, I've had a few 304 powered trucks and I have no complaints with them. Um, so then next up is the 345. 345 shares the same, uh, let's see if I remember this, I sh I'm going to 
<laughs> I'm going to start second-guessing myself here. Uh, 345 shares the same bore as the 304, but has a longer stroke. Um, so that's why you can't use 345 and 392 uh, intake manifolds on uh, on a 304. Uh, also why you can't use 345 heads on a 304. little different. The intake runners stuff shaped differently. A um, few little miscellaneous doodads about them that aren't quite right. Um, but gasket sets are the same, um, other than head gaskets, of course, uh, for the between the three hundred four and three forty fives. Um, so you know you get all the all the cork gaskets, all that stuff for the Fell Pro rebuild kits. That's all the same uh, minus head gaskets. Um, the other difference is the water tubes that go from the, um, head to the, um, water pump housing are slightly longer because the deck height is taller. So everything got just a little bit wider. Uh, so you can't, can't, um, use some of those parts between 304s and 345s. Uh, I know some of you guys are going, well, gee, Dan, I don't know what V8 I have. Um, so if you want to know how to identify your V8, there's a couple of ways you can measure across the heads. Um, they're different. I don't remember that dimension. Uh, I know it's out there on the interwebs. Uh, for me, what I do is I just find the, the block. So you go to the passenger side of the motor up towards the front, um, below the exhaust manifold, uh, on the I guess it'd be under the number, what would you call that? That's the number two cylinder. So the frontmost cylinder on the passenger side. There's a little machined block that's like one inch by two and a half inches. And it's always covered in grime and shit. Take a rag, take something, clean it off, wire brush, wipe it down. You can't see it. That's part of the problem. Uh, the way the engine compartments are shaped and whatnot, you can't see it. So you have to reach down there kind of blindly, wipe it off, feel it around. Then what I do is I take my phone and I take a photo. I just stick it down there, aim it in the general direction, and take a picture. And generally that'll tell me either I need to clean the space off more or um, or you can see what size the displacement is. Um and so I've had quite a few people be surprised because they bought a scout from some guy and he's like, oh yeah, that's a 392. Yep, 392 all the way. Yeah, gee, I don't know why it has a two-barrel manifold. He, The guy just told me he swapped that on, but it's a 392. And then you go and you, you know, clean off the block and take a photo and sure shit, it's a 304. Um, that's, that's happened more than once to customers of mine. So, um, you know... That's a good. That's how you identify what engine you have, uh, the most definitively uh, of ways. Um, there's other options, like I said, you're measuring the the space across the heads, across the top of the deck, um, that kind of thing. But um, so the thing about the 345 that I love, uh, 345 is my favorite engine. That is of of the international groups, gas powered international groupings is the 345. It is kind of the best of everything um a little more power than a 304 uh but more 
reliable than a 392, and we will get to that in a minute. Um, it's a little bit more... The 345 is a little bit more um, accepting of performance upgrades like cams and, um, you know, four barrels and fuel injection and that sort of stuff. Um, it, it just... It just makes a little bit better power. It has a different RPM range that it operates in. Uh, a little more torque because of the longer stroke. So like I said, same size bore as a 304, but longer stroke. So longer stroke means more torque. Uh, so that helps make a little bit more low-end power. So it has a different operating range, like I said. Um, so it's just a good solid motor um i've talked to several old timers with with these uh motors in their medium duty trucks and and i'll have a story for you here uh shortly about that but you know across the board i think the 345 is my favorite uh the 392 the 392 is kind of a weird bastard engine i believe that international made the 392 because they just you know, were caught up in the horsepower truck motor race and they needed something to make more power that wasn't an MV. You know, the MV, medium V motors are just shit as far as I'm concerned. The 404 and the 4... Fuck, I can't remember what they are now. Like the 455 or some some weird-ass number that they get, you know, four miles to the gallon and they made 190 horsepower. So we're not talking about medium Vs, but... Anyways, they needed something in the SV, in the small V range, to put into trucks and travel alls and the bigger trucks to give them a little bit more power and, and whatnot. And the 392 made, on paper, I think it made over 200 horsepower. Um, although, honestly, I had a 345 in my Scout, and I put in a 392, and I could not tell the difference between either one. Um hardly at all so I don't know um, you know there is some horsepower difference there but I just couldn't really tell uh, I know a lot of guys like the 392s because they came from the factory with four barrels and everyone loses their shit about four barrels for some reason um, but they don't realize that the four barrel carb that came on them from the factory is only 490 CFM so it's tiny it is the itty bitty four barrel um, you know, they make 500 CFM two barrels. So if that lets you know anything, you know, that wasn't a big, big deal to have the four barrel. Um, my biggest complaints about the 392 are parts, uh, gasket kits, because you have the improved cooling and the non-improved cooling. And that's simply how the water flows through the heads. Uh, the non-IC, it comes out of the head, just like a 345. The IC motor, it comes out of the block, um, and so there's some differences there. Uh, I have, don't know if there's any... They claim that the cooling is different and it eliminates hot spots in the motor and stuff, but I don't know. I've seen the same problems across the board on the, either one, uh, ICs or non-ICs. You know, so International just took a 345 and they just bored it. So a... 392 is essentially a bored 345. Same length stroke, just bigger pistons. And then they changed the 
valve sizing. Um, they upsized the valves in the heads and to handle more combustion gas and whatnot. And the problem I think that created by doing that, because I've never seen it as bad as I do in the 392s, is cracked heads. Uh, 392s are notorious for cracking heads. And they seem to crack between the exhaust valve and the spark plug hole. Um, because there's just, I believe there's not enough meat there anymore. And they, they break. Uh, I've had two 392s of my own break, and I've had a couple more come through here that had that same problem. So, you know, um, the, they just, they're problematic, and I don't like them. Uh, one thing that there's some updates you can do, if you have a non-IC 392, you can put 345 heads on it. Uh, it has a little smaller valve, yeah. Um, it does up the compression some because of the different shaped combustion chamber. Um, and then if you port the head, if you take that 345 head and you sit down with your die grinder and you port them, gasket match them and all that, I think that really helps make up for the different size valves and um, actually gets you a little bit more power because of the better airflow through the, through the combustion process. Um, you know, and then if you've got a cam and you throw a cam and valve springs and, and all that, you know, it, it all works together to make quite a bit of difference. Um, you know, not, not hundreds of horsepower difference, but it does make a difference. So um, that's, you know, if a guy does want to build a 392, that's the kind of the recipe for it is 345 heads that have been ported, cleaned up. You run a mild cam, good valve springs. Uh, four barrel, uh, you can get away after you do that. If you're running, um, you know, uh, headers and good um, ignition system, you could probably get away with a 600 CFM carb. But ideally, you'd I would run some sort of injection system that can tune the fuel exactly how it needs to be um, because it's just... Uh, you know, it's hard to do that with a carb across the board um, and get decent mileage. I mean, yeah, you could dump 600 CFM carb on it and it'd probably run pretty strong, but you're going to get, you know, seven miles to the gallon. So I think with a f injection system on a built motor like that, you're going to kind of get the best of both worlds. Um, but yeah, it's hard to say. Um, so that's where I'm at. I still think a 345 is the best. Of all of them, uh, I talked to an old timer who had two identical Lodestar grain trucks, and they would drive them from Hillsboro, Oregon, to the docks down in Portland, Oregon, where they would deliver their grain. And he says that these Lodestars were identically equipped with direct drive five speeds, two speed rear ends. They would they would scale the same, had the same size tires. And they would leave from Hillsborough, pull the grade at uh, going up over Sylvan Hill and then down into Portland. And he said that across the board, the 345 truck was faster on the flats 
and then would get passed by the 392 truck on the hill and then outrun the 392 truck down the other side, get to the docks first, unload, you know, they'd unload about the same time, and then the 345 truck coming home empty would beat the 392 truck. And so really the only upside that 392 had was pulling the grade, uh, the torque, or I think it was torque, to get it up and over the grade. Um, But other than that, the 345 truck was faster everywhere else, and it had less problems because he had talked about it needed, they had to do a head, uh, had a broken head on one of them, and then it had some cooling issues, just exactly what the, you know, what I just said, the 392s just had other issues. And, uh, yeah, the 345, I think, is just the most reliable. It does away with all those problems um, when you do it like that. It's I, I put a lot of stock in reliability, and the 345s are reliable. Uh, all of the V8s across the board have, you know, gear drive cams. There's no timing chain. Don't let anybody tell you that your timing chain jumped because it didn't. You have a timing gear, just like a diesel engine. It's all gear driven. Things, you know, it's way more reliable, way more durable. Um, you know, the, these motors are just super tough, built heavy duty. That's why they weigh 900 pounds. Um, they're just good, so solid industrial engines. Yeah, you're not going to win any drag races with them, but, uh, you know, that's. That's kind of not what you have in International Four. You want to win drag races, swap in a, you know, turbo diesel or a, a LS motor or something like that. But anyway, so hopefully you guys learned something. Hopefully I touched, you know, briefly on what you needed to know. I'm sure I'll hear about it later. Um, but anyways, thanks for listening. Have a great day. Uh, love you guys. And until next time, it's Dan, Binder Boneyard. Oh, 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 oh,